Welcome to the Software People Stories. I'm Shiv. I'm Chitra. And I'm Gaiki. We bring you interesting untold stories of people associated with the creation or consumption of software-based solutions. You'll hear stories of what worked and sometimes what didn't. You will also hear very personal experiences and insights that would trigger your thoughts and inspire you to do even greater things. takes a hell of a lot of passion and commitment to make it all work passion and commitment something that you will hear throughout this conversation with praveen gandhi a pioneer in the it industry with over 50 years in the industry praveen is known nowadays for his angel investing and mentorship of entrepreneurs what you may not know is that his association with the industry started as a software professional in his journey over the years you will hear about spotting opportunities wanting to solve other people's problems and dreaming big listen on welcome to the software people stories praveen with a long and pioneering string of contributions to the it industry i may not be able to articulate your journey like you could may i request you to share your origin story to start this conversation thanks thanks for being here thanks for having me well you know if i have to talk about my journey as an it professional it was essentially quite by accident that um, when i came back from the us i had really no idea what i wanted to do and uh, but since i had learned something about uh, computers and programming in the year 63 to 67 i thought that i would try to stay connected with that so you know i first thing i did was to join tcs as a programmer and uh, i was one of the first 100 employees of tcs this uh, wow. was before uh, mr kohli's time so or uh, mr kohli joined uh, then uh, i tried to do some portino one programming and i realized that it is not something that excites me then i changed jobs to another service provider called bakatlal services and uh, became a systems analyst there you know i had a modicum of success being able to successfully um, program a uh, leave payroll and leave management system for a textile industry which in itself had some complication of its own but overall after 2 years in that that organization was not very forward looking etc i also was getting bored of doing programming uh, or uh, you know working with a technology that uh, wasn't very exciting i wanted to do something different and uh, i got an opportunity to move to delhi and join kokola uh, export corporation in their operations research organization and since i had done industrial engineering i had done or as one of my uh, topics so i then joined then i realized again as to why or was the, i mean without computing assistance or had very little meaning and you couldn't do something with uh, if, if anybody remembers what a facet machine was Uh, mm. to do calculations using facet 
it was just not something that uh, I uh, enjoyed. So then I moved yeah. on within the organization in the sales and marketing of Coca-Cola and where the job was to manage all the, uh, all the bottlers in the country for uh, Coca-Cola. And which is where I thought I had found, I, I think that I found my calling, which was in sales and marketing. I, okay. I discovered that I had an ability to create great equations with, uh, with the customers and so on and so forth. And I did my learning on the job, on what is sales and what is marketing, et cetera, et cetera. So I had a reasonable, I mean, I think I had a pretty good success rate at, uh, at uh, Coca-Cola. But then Mr. George Fernandez came and decided that Coca-Cola was not good for us. So, you know, Coca-Cola closed. And so we all had to leave the organization. I kind of left a little earlier, but uh, so I came back and to Bombay and uh, with really no idea of what I'm going to do. But it turned out that uh, a family friend was representing a company called Tektronics in the, uh, mm-hmm. in the US and they used to sell instrumentation. Okay. And they had just introduced a computerized testing system. And in that organization, I mean, in his company, in his uh, talent pool, there was nobody who understood computers. And at least I knew how to spell computers. Uh, so I figured that uh, I can join that company as one of the promoters. And that's how Inditron was born to try and figure out how we can, I can help them in their computerized automation system, but use that leverage to get distributorship of uh, digital equipment in India. Okay. And all that worked out. And we started in 1972, went on to become quite one of the most successful uh, IT companies because it was the state of the art uh, product. At that time, it was a new kid on the block, great technology. And of course, you know, there was no computing allowed for the commercial businesses because, you know, there was the belief in the Nairobian philosophy that computers displace jobs. So most of the computing that was allowed was in the... uh, R&D space, science R&D space, and that itself was completely under the wing of the government. Okay. So all the labs, etc., cetera, etc., cetera, uh, defense labs, space labs, so on and so forth. So, um, so that's how I uh, began my uh, journey of uh, selling computers and. Uh, build an organization that became pretty large for those standards. And in, in 1984, our uh, then Prime Minister, uh, Rajiv Gandhi, decided that I think we were living too much in the dark ages and decided to open up the space for commercial computing as well, which actually didn't really happen till 1988. But then he set up a Department of Electronics and all that. And it's a, I can write a book on what it means to deal with a government organization. 
to be able to participate in tender processes and so on and so forth. But I think we as a company, both me and my colleague, were, I would say, very deft salesmen. So what we figured out that the best way to not have the uh, tendering process hinder us too much, our goal was to basically send to the end user whose request goes went to DOE, Department of Electronics, and then they floated a tender and somehow figure out a way to make sure that we were the only uh, potential supplier. So okay. that's creating the that pull. was creating the pull. And, you know, and I think we were generally honest salespeople. You know, I mean, there was no uh, hidden agenda. We had very good personal relationships with people. So I was, we were not salesmen in the guys who go on a golf course and convert a sale. We were genuinely there to help. Uh, yeah, solving business help problems. The, yeah. Help the consumer, the customer. So okay. I was, you know, I mean, I remember my first sale was in 1974 to ISRO. And that is when they bought a PDP-11 to be the ground station for the eventual satellite that they were going to send. Wow. And uh, of course, none of us knew anything about telecommunication, etc. But, you know, with the support of US digital, we were able to come up with the right configuration and rest is history that they became our primary customer for many of the computing environment. And we were prevalent in all the government labs and in the DRDOs of, of the country. To cut it short a bit, then when the, so we were, I mean, you know, very enviable in the space of scientific computing. Okay. It was never considered a uh, rock star in commercial computing. Okay. There was, there was IBM. Mm. IBM was synonymous with uh, uh, and when the uh, economy opened up to import, they were obviously willing to sell their not so latest, but somewhat latest technology. So it was a hard call to see how we can compete with uh, IBM. And I think okay. thankfully, because IBM was too arrogant, we were able to, but the big thing was advantage for digital was that they were extremely fast machines. So the technology was very superior in terms of speed, okay. not so great in software. Okay. Whether it be a COBOL compiler or anything else, they just, you know, I think were not focused on that market. But we had to, in order if you wanted to compete in this country. So I was very, we were very lucky to have sold our first large computer which was IBM 370 and more, to Bajaj Auto. Okay. So I think the first installation of its kind in commercial computing uh, space in India. Now, rolling back a bit in terms of some of the uh, challenges we had, that we had the uh, when uh, we decided to experiment with a nuclear uh, bomb, the government of U.S. clamped down on sale of technology. Hmm to India. And this, I think, was, remember right, you know, I, I forget. But anyway, so at which point we were sort of very uh, 
you know, revenue dried up because we couldn't import the latest computers. Nobody could. Okay. So at which point we decided, and you know, this is the quality I think one should look at in almost all entrepreneurs, that how do you pivot? How do you be, uh, how are, can you be nimble about, uh, you know, survival? So which is the time? And there was also at the same time, PCs were becoming prominent, very expensive, but that was the advent of the, and digital did not really have any great uh, personal computer solution. And they were very expensive. Okay. So, um, so at which point, what we did was to tie up with a manufacturer and did two things. One, we had them make PCs for us, which we sold under the Inditron brand. And we also got an agreement done to import the lowest end of PDP-11, which was available on a single board processor, okay. and then do system integration and be able to sell it as an indigenous product because that was a requirement of the government of India. So uh, we put that uh, product up for sale. And I must say that this was how we actually managed to reutilize our uh, human capital in giving them different products to sell. So, you know, all that continued. I think we were the in the uh, once the PCs and HCLs and Wipros were uh, in the play, we were the fourth largest uh, PC supplier and continued to be uh, largest supplier in the mid-range, that is the PDP-11 type of computers. So all that culminated into a reasonably large company uh, at that time. And 1988, Digital, in its wisdom, decided that they want to come themselves into India. And which is where we had, they had proposed a joint venture. And there were other claimants or other partners they were looking at, such as uh, Nelco, which was Ratan Tata's baby, kind of first love in the electronic space. Mm. But because of our association and our relationships, we won that uh, deal and we started a joint venture and went public at the same time. Okay. This was in 1988. So that was the culmination of my uh, computing, computer-related journey. Your, you know, the question was software was never of, of value because yeah. not only... Uh, did we understand that the Indian uh, managers understand, nor did the government understand because we were of the belief that we are very smart people and we can develop everything here ourselves. So we don't need to reinvent software. And which is, I think, the basic uh, reason for undervalue of software. Now, and I would like to hazard a guess that even today, if you had a uh, product which was locally made as against something that comes from Microsoft, you would still not even get one-tenth of the value. So it may okay. be the best because, you know, there is the brand. And uh, mm-hmm. also, I mean, I don't think that we really knew. I think we understood how to make, I mean, how to develop a product but I don't think that we ever knew how to productize it. 
and be okay. able to sell, support, etc., or a piece of software. So, and I think to a great extent, this mindset still continues, but it's more now of because it's open economy and you have a choice to get something that is has a proven track record. Why would I want to try out something local? which may have challenges of support and, you know, features, et cetera, et cetera. So, you know, you, in order to compete, then you sort of ended up making the price lower and that made you basically compete in a segment where the large multinationals couldn't or wouldn't compete in. So, and hence that would mean all the SME segment, but it's still a struggle to sell. You know, sales cycles are extremely long. As far as systems products or large application products are concerned. So anyway, so that's kind of a, my journey with uh, computing. I mean, I can relate to you many horror stories of uh, many overnight uh, work at Delhi to be able to prepare proposals for, uh, for the Department of Electronics and uh, processes that we had to go through uh, to succeed. But again, it was also about our relationship with the people at the Department of Electronics. But, you know, as you know, how uh, public servants are, they have to appear to maintain impartiality. So, you know, we went through, we would be made to wait. We were, we called at 11 o'clock for discussion on the tender and would have to wait till six o'clock in the evening and all all the other bidders, competitors, we would all be sitting there chatting away and not knowing when we would be called. So you will miss lunch, dinner, I mean, lunch at least, for sure. So those were the trials and tribulations. But, you know, it was, at the end, it was fun because we succeeded. Yeah, that is really nice. But then from the days of uh, so much of patience, or at least you know, not getting frustrated, irritated, and then waiting for all these meetings mm. to a time when you're on the other side, you're mentoring entrepreneurs, you're investing, where everybody wants to move fast, that yes. impatience. Yes. How do you see that change happening? No, no. I, mean, how I, do you I accept No, that? no. I, I, I was never a, a lazy entrepreneur. We had to do what we had to do. I'm just saying that the other party, so you had to also develop patience to be able to survive <laughs> in that time which was between, uh, you know, till about the uh, mid-80s. Okay. After which, yeah, of course, I mean, decisions in this country always take a long time. So you had to learn your... But by that time, I mean, we had built a large enough organization. So there were people who were handling it. I thought that we had built a pretty uh, decent organization. So, I, I mean, I was always a taskmaster. In terms of time, my father had, uh, he was even worse, I mean, one of the worst time managers. I should say the other way. You know, he was so particular on time uh-huh. that, that we were scared even to be a minute late. Okay. If he had asked us to go anywhere and we were a minute late. Mm-hmm. So, uh, time is... I mean, people still complain that I get to, you know, in meetings or whatnot, at the time I'm told to come. Mm-hmm. Many people don't show up. Yeah. 
and it bugs the hell out of me hmm. yeah my and, question is more from um, see there are a lot of entrepreneurs at least in bangalore meet a lot of them or aspiring entrepreneurs i would say who think that i will start up today and then in another year year and a half maybe two years i want to become a unicorn yeah i mean that i mean to me again i don't want to uh, be little uh, unicorns because i don't even think unicorn is a measure of success it's the longevity and sustainability of a company that is uh, that to my mind is success if this is the uh, i think effect of venture capital who mm. themselves want to make things happen within 3 4 years and be able to exit and move on mm. so partly there is the pressure from the investors to grow fast and the entrepreneurs the aspiring entrepreneurs having seen such great value creation whatever that value is but they all want to become uh, unicorns i think people have to realize that if you build a stable company your day will come mm. and because to be a unicorn also you must also learn how to play the game venture capital game a game you have to learn what turns them on what metrics that you will show that will get you more money mm-hmm. for example i mean if i as a mentor i have never understood this business model of market share mm-hmm. at any cost at at mm-hmm. all capital cost and i don't even invest in companies that have that as a goal and okay mainly we are early stage investors so we never have the capital anyway to make them get market share at whatever cost that the vc may want but you know some of it is you know i some people accuse me of being cynical but you know we had an investment uh, which we sold uh, in redbus which is a bangalore based company and uh, it yeah. was a you know company that was doing well making profits and it was unique in its space right one investor came along and gave us some price which you know i had not even imagine i would get mm-hmm. that's the game uh, but anyway having said that you know within and then the promoter moved on and so on and so forth within 3 months of their acquisition they were they were giving uh, cashbacks and coupons if you bought tickets mm. now the you know the entrepreneur who sort of had moved on was wondering we were just having casual conversation he are you know this very buying a ticket why do i have to give him something back <laughs> yeah you know so but that you know again i leave leave that to the judgment and you know there is often there is just too much capital to deploy and they want to make sure that with the use of that large capital pool they have they make sure that there is nobody else in the marketplace because you know over time many clones had come up to with redbus like redbus but if you have enough money if you throw enough money at the marketplace then you sort of more or less own the market then the second guy the third guy will either die or do whatever so that's the uh, that's the nature of the game which 
I have never understood. So I have never participated in uh, later stage funding. I don't. I am not a. I am a company builder, not a financial analyst. Mm, very nice. So this also nicely segues into one question that I normally ask all the guests mm. is in terms of advice. Normally, it is about people who are trying to consider IT as a career, but also nowadays with all this pandemic plus other things, where a lot of mid-career people mm. are also wondering: Should I continue? Is there a career? Should I try to venture out? So what? should they consider and do you think it of course it's a very broad area still offers opportunities for people to come and grow of course i mean there plenty of opportunity the point is again that do you have you know i let me step back a little bit and then when you know year 2000 when uh, we i started my first uh, venture fund and uh, you know there was the silicon valley boom and there was a lot of money available i remember that lot of the career uh, mnc professionals you know in the 30s and 40s decided that this is you know perhaps great way to make money and they all started uh, to be entrepreneurs and very quickly they found out that if making money is their only objective they will not survive because they didn't understand how to work out of a room with four people when they mm-hmm. had their cabins and they had secretary and when they had a driver and etc etc so to my mind the right age today to I mean, this is not a generalization but the right age for somebody to launch into entrepreneurship is around 30 to 35 okay there are people who are you know 27 28 and have done well for themselves but it takes a hell of a lot of passion and commitment to make it all work mm. so one quality obviously and this is a cliched statement that yes you have to have the passion but what that passion by itself cannot make you a unicorn nor anything else for that matter because you don't have the skills to build an organization mm. which is why you need mentors who will guide you as to the right time to get the right uh, human capital in the company to be able to build the company properly you know you can't be selling from 9 to 6 and then worrying about hr problems in the night i mean you may have to do all that but that's when you are small five people company and where hr problems don't exist because you have the passion to take care of the hr problem when you mm. become bigger one of the biggest uh, advisory work that i had to do with the investy companies that i have that when covid struck what do you do how do you mm. how do you convince people to stay on at lower salaries you know okay. build that passion that you know now you know you've been here for so long you know i need and it's very important to build that loyalty in the organization mm. some will leave but some majority of the people if you communicate to them properly uh, display your own commitment to the cause there is no reason why people will quit if the company okay. is not making headway in the market then it's also important and we used to ask whenever we invested in a young entrepreneur two things one is that is he smart enough to know when it's time to quit that is that mm. continue to be the dead horse and so at that point whether he pivot or you know continue to be the dead horse 
or be open to realize that maybe he or she is not the right person to lead the organization. Okay. So to be open to allow somebody else who has better credentials beyond just technology to build an organization. And people don't, I think people forget that just pure technology is not sufficient. You have mm-hmm. built an organization that is sustainable. Yeah, that's very interesting because we also come across this in many of our coaching situations with organizations and teams. Mm-hmm. How do you get a person to let go of something that has been a passion project or they've been so deeply involved in? Yeah, I mean, you demonstrate to him, you know, you have to work with him. That is there something else you can do? Obviously, he has passion, but he's also a smart guy, right? I mean, technically mm-hmm. smart guy. Mm-hmm. So, obviously, the numbers will speak for themselves. Right? If you are burning money every uh, every day or every month, you have to be smart enough to see that the end is near. Mm. Now, do you see it early enough to be able to pivot? Yeah. There will be people who are not willing to give up. Naini, I want to. That, you know, I mean, there is no solution. You can o- offer offer them, work them through alternative options. But if they are just hell-bent on continuing the way, you know, and that's also another quality that you have to learn to assess when you are investing in a company. Okay. They are open to advice. Hmm. Either they feel that they are God's gift to mankind, and it'll never work. And it has happened. We have shut down companies and taken losses and so on and so forth. So it's uh, often this is, uh, unless you have a lot of capital and hence you can uh, murder everybody else around you, it is like uh, Las Vegas. No? You take mm-hmm. 100 bets and maybe two will succeed. Okay. So, I mean, there are uh, some many... Uh, Studies which tell you that out of 10, one can give you, if you are a smart investor, one can give one or two can give you 15x return, 30% will give you a mid-range 5x return and the rest will die or almost die. So you're betting on human capital and some, obviously the idea that you believe has a market. Yeah, sure. So... Having said that, let me also tell you something else. After my uh, stint with uh, Digital, and then 1992, they took larger ownership. And hence, uh, I had no interest in working for somebody in uh, US and reporting and all that. So we all, all of us sort of got out of the uh, company. And then I was at a loss again. I was wondering what to do. And which is when this bug, you know, and that sort of, relates to the question about Indian software, started a software company mm-hmm. with some talented people who, you know, from ITC and other people. And we got very good talent who also believe that SAP is not a solution to everything. Mm-hmm. You can build an equivalent uh, SAP. Yeah. So, you know, but that experience for me, I mean, we lost money and we shut it. But that experience was very revealing that, you know, while... We did a lot of engineering and good development work and all that. We just didn't have people who understood systems and market need. Mm-hmm. So it was more almost all the development was coming from a technology uh, perspective. So you are always in the constant uh, need for making changes. Okay. 
And on the other side, you had what we used to then call them EDP managers who are mm. not very, uh, brilliant and are also not very stable with the organizations that they were okay. in. Mm. And, uh, you know, what you ended up doing was that somebody in spoke. So first of all, they have done you a favor by buying, agreeing to buy something yeah. local. So you were at their beck and call, you know, change this, change that and so on and so forth. Mm. And lo and behold, while you, everything is now finally getting into place, TDP manager changes. Oh. And he wants the display differently and he wants, you know. So, I mean, we never were able to productionize the offering. Mm. We talked a good language. We talked the right lingo. And we were able to convince Buyer India and some reasonably big-sized corporations to you know, it was a pain. It took much longer than what we had said it would and so on and so forth. Mm. Of course, there was never enough money to pay for all that. And, you know, like how if Microsoft says that, okay, you want this change, it will cost you $5,000 and you yeah. shut up and pay. Mm. Here, nobody pays you anything more. Mm. You can have their steps signed off and all that. None of that had any Hmm. So, you know, that was an experiment that taught me as to why uh, I uh, software. I mean, there were many causes, but we just didn't have the skill to create uh, complete products because I don't think we understood uh, the environment enough to build a complete product. That is not to say there will not be revisions and add-ons and all that, Mm -hmm. but to the extent that it must be almost a plug-and-play product, never was. Okay. That was my trust with software. Mm. And we don't buy, I think all corporations, at least not now, but uh-huh. at least uh, till year 2005 or so, 2010, that everybody had a largish uh, in-house uh, computer departments. Okay. And everybody felt that, oh, he's charging me 5 lakhs of rupees. I can do it with three-man people for 2 lakhs of rupees. Uh. And the argument would end there or either you will sell it for two lakhs and then, you know, regret it for the rest of your life. Mm-hmm. And they will never be able to do what they say, they will, what they thought they will. Yeah. So it's, uh, we don't, it's all beginning to change because of the fact that, uh, you know, we are now in nation where we are seeing people and when productivity has become more important than it ever was. People are willing to experiment. Yeah, more in terms of subscription models or user-based pricing and all that. Yeah. 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 And, uh, you know, even the buyers are willing to say, okay, I can put these three things together. I will get Salesforce. I'll get this. I'll get this and uh, put up a solution which I don't have to necessarily develop Mm. Mm in-house. You know, it's interesting that, you know, State Bank of India chairman Mm -hmm. claims that their digital act all in one, you know, mm, yeah, yeah. it's worth $25 billion. Mm. And I was just reading a review that while it is all thing in one app, it's the most difficult app to traverse through. Okay. Okay. So whether it's worth $25 billion or not, I don't know. But I don't know who will buy it because it's a very specialized app. Yeah. But how uh, there is this whole uh, plan of Tata's to create a super app to mm. put all their offerings under one app and Walmart wants to put $25 billion or some such large number. Mm. So we'll see when it happens. 
but we are yet i mean i think that our gst implementation I mean, there are examples of large companies like infosys or what not have not been able to successfully implement complex systems mm. so you know we succeed as coders systems analysts and all that once the specifications are defined mm-hmm. the buyer mm. so Yeah. So, but, but nowadays no, you are seeing you know, at least the Aadhaar implementation or the railway reservations. No, railway was in our time. Yes, that hmm. was a yeah. job. But you know, no, no. I am saying you know this is the whole problem. I think hmm. we get satisfied with too little. Uh-huh. You know, we it's a one point three billion people country. Uh-huh. We can't be satisfied with three successes. Hmm. Call ourselves software power and all that. That's not really. I think it's not true. we have miles to go to become a software power yeah you may be the china can be a assembly power mm. that you know and they have the electronic components and we are the software assembly uh, country yeah. where of course i mean i'm not saying that things are not changing sure that there are a lot of stuff that is happening within the large tcs does not become what it is by uh, becoming only a people supplier but you know i don't think that we can we can say ourselves that you know we are like a european country or a uh, or U- us for that mm-hmm. in terms yeah. of their computational thinking i i mean i think our anyway that's a education system overall yeah, takeaway for me is that there there's still hope and there's a lot of opportunity in software and related it there, whether you are considering a career there, or whether you want to shift and do something in this space yeah except that you know you have to know what you want to do right it should be not a replica of what somebody else is doing and say i'll do it better mm-hmm. but be innovative and find you know something that is missing and do it yeah you can't be the 10th player and uh, and succeed okay you know I mean, you can have I me mean, just you can have the best solution let's say if you have an hr solution you can have the best solution but then you must have the money and the smartness to beat the entrenched people mm, yeah so uh, yeah yeah there is plenty of opportunity plenty of opportunity whether there is enough talent available to do all that that's a question that uh, needs to be thought about because for example you know you today there is a significant shortage in people who are really good at digital marketing mm. different what your websites will look like uh-huh. they are all improving but it's a whole composite package of uh, the digital world mm. that uh, we need to embrace okay yeah so but uh, obviously there is it, there is hope there is hope for sure yes. that's know, very reassuring that there is not enough indian capital available to nurture that yeah on that note uh, praveen i think we have just enough time for this conversation many points that you said in themselves would probably warrant longer discussions like you said you have a lot of stories about many of these things we yeah. will probably catch up some other time okay thanks praveen we thank siddharth for the music and malavika for promoting the software people stories if you like this episode please subscribe on your favorite podcast client and spread the word in your network if you'd like to share your story contact us at 
podcast at pm-powerconsulting.com.